Benjamin Franklin once said, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. The fact is, quality matters. Join us as we make quality fun, interesting, and accessible to companies of all levels. Quality matters is a must-listen for all things quality. Listen in, ask questions, and get back to doing what matters most. Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Well, hello and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast. I am Kyle and this is Darcy. So we are back with a, another guest. It's actually a guest that uh, his name's uh, Tom Terramina. I hope I pronounced that right. He'll, he'll correct me if not, but um, terrible with names. But Tom has uh, started working with us a little bit here uh, recently and has just a really fantastic story about, you know, kind of how he got into quality, his career, just really interesting stuff. So I think it'd be great just to get a chance to talk with him, learn a little bit from uh, his history and experience. So with that, Tom, welcome to the podcast. Great to be with you, uh, Kyle and Darcy. Don't forget Darcy. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. People don't realize how much she does to help out around here. <laughs> I lost. Right. I'm sure that's correct. <laughs> At home, work, everything, you name it. <laughs> oh. I concur. <laughs> Behind every man is a woman with a wooden spoon. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, <laughs> I didn't know we could use the spoon on husbands, too. We just use it for the kids. <laughs> Been there, done that. Oh, man. Well, Tom, you have quite the uh, kind of background and experience. I know you've been just absolutely, you know, phenomenal helping us out with uh, uh, some different projects here, here recently. But um, if you would just kind of give us, you know, I hate doing the big fancy uh, introduction. I kind of would rather just hear it from the uh, the person's point of view. So just kind of give me a little bit of background as to, you know, who you are and how you got here and everything from why you've probably got the space background to all the books you've written. Well, thanks. And, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting story. And today it's pretty poignant because of, of uh, all of the changes going on in our society. Uh, when I was in high school in, in New York, I heard President Kennedy say we were going to the moon by 1970. And he was talking to me. I, I know he was. <laughs> it's because I, I got bit. I, I got to be part of this, this space program and the moon program. So on my 19th birthday, I packed up my car and uh, drove to Houston got a job, worked my way through college, and pestered enough people to where I got a, a job at Mission Control Houston. I, I mean, it. it was. Everybody wanted to be part of the space program. Oh, I'm sure. I was fortunate my college roommate was already working for the prime contractor to Mission Control, and he kind of got me in there as an electronic technician. That's so cool. And so I, I was building those green consoles that you see in the Apollo um, yeah. movies and pictures and all the supporting hardware. That's so cool. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, when I watch Apollo 13, I look at all of the equipment and say, that's a D9B12 module. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Ron Howard was an absolute fanatic on, on details. Ah, Okay. Uh, I mean, the movie, from what I, you know, everything that happened in Mission Control, where I was on the first night of Apollo 13, was 100% accurate. There was oh even a, 
wow. chubby little guy in the back of one of the rooms that looked like me. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to watch the movie yes. again. <laughs> no kidding. <All> right. <laughs> yeah. The scene oh, where man. they're where they're where they're uh, where, where they are writing things on the blackboard because the the uh, overhead projector burned out, and they came to my office, the QA office, and the only we were the only ones in the building that had a camera, a Polaroid camera. Uh huh. So that was my job for the first night of Apollo 13 was taking pictures of what they drew on the the blackboard and oh my gosh, erasing it. So. <laughs> Oh I don't God. think Ron Howard went to that. Much, <laughs> I don't think he went to that much detail. But <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so I awesome! See that. Uh, in any event, I worked as an electronic technician. I worked in production control, and one day the QA manager came up to me and he said, "Would you like to be a quality control engineer?" I said, "What is that?" <laughs> he said, "Well, we think we can." Uh, prevent defects instead of inspecting for them. And I said, hallelujah. I'm, I'm sitting here on, on the bench with my buddies building this stuff, and I've got an in-process inspector looking over my shoulder. I've got a, a government inspector. They were called DCAS back then. He's looking over my shoulder. And then I have to go through in-process inspection, final inspection, before my work can move forward. And I said, you know, I didn't wake up this morning intending to kill any astronauts. <laughs> I mean, the work we did was you know, we we did it at a passion, not not necessarily just at a skill. Yeah. So I said, man, sign me up. And he did. There was there was two different groups formed called quality control engineering and reliability engineering, which didn't exist back then uh, <laughs> at all. And uh, the prime contractor that I worked for, worked for was Ford Aerospace. So they gave me a business card that said quality control engineer on it. And all hell broke loose in the Texas Accreditation Board. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. Well, I under, understand years later that President Johnson actually intervened and told them to get over it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> What so, was it they were upset about? The word they, engineer. Oh. Mm -hmm. There was no there were no <clears throat> programs for it back then. There was no yep. there was no body of knowledge. I mean, we created the body of knowledge. Okay, it's gotcha. By no means an equivalent, but when I worked for a, a, a previous company, we we did something similar. Half of our quote engineers were were not degreed, but they had worked in the industry so long, they knew AutoCAD, they knew the math. And so we slapped the label engineer on them. But, well, you know, we had a little bit of justification as, as to why. But, you know, again, not, not quite the same thing. But, you know. No, it, it, it actually is. It's, uh, I'm, I'm glad a lot of these things have evolved into degreed uh, occupations and certificates you can hang on the wall. But at the same time, the, the degreed people still have to prove that they can apply what they know. Yup. And that's that's sad right now I'm, i you know i listen to these people that are supposed to be eminent experts and they live somewhere in the clouds you know, <laughs> yeah their, their education and their experience is limited to to uh you know small uh small environments and then they yep. come out in the world as 
quality experts and it just doesn't, it just no. doesn't fit sometimes. No. And you so, run into that just in, in the quality world. You get someone that's got a uh, certification as lead auditor, but that doesn't, yeah. necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean much. Boy, we can have a whole podcast on <laughs> auditing. I'm not going to let either of you get started on auditing. Oh, okay. <laughs> not now. Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for being the, the big boy in the room. <laughs> I'll get my wooden spoon. There you go. <laughs> Remember that on future podcasts. Oh, that's what we need. We need to have a wooden spoon up here in the uh, the little prop. Right. I'll get one. It's a business expense. Right. <laughs> we'll call it Darcy's reality check. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh. So immediately, I was we we were taught how to do inspection of incoming hardware. We wrote the standards. You know, we were uh, by contract. We were involved in every design review that we had at Mission Control. That was part of our contract. Yeah. So they, you know, they would throw me in these design reviews, and about uh, two thirds of the way through uh, any given meeting, I'd do. Uh, let me just ask one one question. You know, I was Colombo. I just have one little question, and that blew everything up. I mean, it, they, these, these, I mean, they're very talented people, don't get me wrong, but I, I throw practicality in there and, and throw them off base. So, in the it context, sounds silly, but it's so easy to get caught up in all these crazy details and you lose sight of, uh, you know, the real problem you're trying to solve. Well, let me tell you a little anecdote. I wasn't responsible for the, the decision, but uh, the topic came up of how are we going to do video inside of a space capsule okay. on, on the moon? Uh, if you think back to the 60s, video cameras were, uh, they were huge. They were the size of a television set. And you can't, you couldn't scale down an image orthicon camera and especially not color, it had to be color. And so in the design reviews, we wound up going back to the 1940s technology called flying spot scanners. Okay. It was a, a little tube uh, that uh, had a color wheel in front of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, it kept rotating at a, at a specific rate. And that became the color. So when it came back down link, we built these two racks of equipment that took this flying spot scanner and converted it into NTSC and PAL and CCAM video for the networks. That's so, so cool. Like so many things, we just made up our minds and did it. Wow. And, and, you know, design reviews back then were incredibly pragmatic because, you know, I, as soon as I heard that, oh, yeah, we used to use that in ham radio. We played with that when I was a kid. Which of course drew a wonderful reaction from the engineers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, that's so, so cool. So somewhere in the early days of my my uh, venture into quality engineering, uh, I somehow got put in charge of supplier quality. Okay. And for ten years, I traveled to forty-seven states and Mexico and. Canada qualifying suppliers. Hmm. Now, again, in those days, we had MIL Q9858, we had MIL I45208, 
which had absolutely no applicability to a five-man machine shop that was making brackets <laughs> for us. So I would show up for an audit, and they would have a quality manual sitting on the, you know, sitting on the desk, and their operational procedures, and their work instructions. They well, here it is. Here's everything you need. When do we go to lunch? Because <laughs> obviously you're going to approve us. You know, you have no choice. <laughs> I said, wait, wait, you know, hold on a minute. Let's walk out into the plant. Let's talk to the people. Well, mm -hmm. what do you want to do that for? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get a feeling if they know what you think they do. Right. And so, you know, you know as well as I, without getting into auditing, uh, <laughs> you know, when you actually talk it. to people, they <laughs> said, well, right here it says you do this. Really? Is that what it says? <laughs> that's not what we, that's not, not what I, I'm, my favorite thing is every place I've ever been had a Bubba. And every, <laughs> everybody listened to Bubba instead of listening we, to We We had a guy who literally, I I think his name was Joe, and I don't even know if it was Joseph, but everyone knew his Bubba. And oh. he was a Cajun as Cajun can be. <laughs> He was, your, he was your cousin. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he could fix anything under the sun. You might not want to know how it got fixed, but he could fix anything. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I lived 33 years in South Texas, so I, there were been plenty of cousins and plenty of bubbies in my life. Uh, especially since I started doing pretty much what you're doing now is uh, quality management for the oil patch. Yep. And so... That was quite an, that in itself was quite an education. Mm -hmm. So I started writing narratives instead of using this checklist I was given. And I, hmm. you know, I would say, you know, the, the, the quality manual says this, but in fact, when you go out on the production line, they're doing pretty much whatever they want to do. And they've got a 20% scrap rate. And, and I don't think these people are qualified to do business with us. And of course, that raised a furor when I, when word got back to my contract monitor that I was dis actually disapproving suppliers. I was yeah. Actually, I was talking with someone yesterday uh, about digital deck, digital computers, the vendor mm -hmm. of the PDP computer. I went up there to do an audit, and they threw me out. They said, "If you want to buy a computer from us, you can just buy a computer from us." And oh wow. So that went around the chain of NASA management because they wanted a PDP-11 or a PDP-8 or whatever it was at that time. And as they say in the movie, they, we finally got their mind right and they invited me back. They even gave me a helicopter ride to one of the clients. <laughs> oh, man, nothing quite so fun as that. But I had an instance where we had a, a, a coding a vendor that we wanted to use <clears throat> and you know various reasons but but they could do what we needed they were local um but i went out to you know do the uh pre-qualification audit and i came back and i'm talking to my manager I'm like ain't no way we can use these guys have you seen their shop have you seen how they do things like well they get us the product we need i'm like yeah i'd be questionable about that and that turned into well how hey kyle how about you just do everything necessary to get them certified to iso 9001 I was like, oh. And so that's how I got started in consulting. Wow. <laughs> it's 
thrown into the fire. That's sometimes it's the worst, but best way to learn. Well, I, you know that's that's what happened to me. I was director of training for a large multinational oil company, and the, the uh, I was developing self-directed work teams. And the carrot that was in front of me was if if this division is successful, you'll be going all around the world training all of our divisions and self-directed work teams. So, okay. That kind of plays to your ego. <laughs> and we did. We established, We built an incredible learning center. We had the production people and the engineers. Were, we did brown bag lunches. Started out once a month, wound up being once a week because hmm. wow. everybody wanted in. And That's we cool. all talked about the products and quality and workmanship. And and uh, the we, we after the first year, we published the results that we had an 88% increase in productivity and the scrap hmm. rate had dropped to zero. Oh, wow. And it's amazing. You know, I walked in and I was. <laughs> <laughs> of course we did that. And the division manager, <laughs> division vice president looked at me and he said, do you know how much our device, they were called tools that were uh, devices that went in the, in the, drilling stream that measured the, the all of the parameters that they needed to be watching as they drilled a well. And uh, I said, I don't know. He said, $120,000 production cost. He said, do you know how much that of that is labor? I said, no. He said, 4%. Ooh. He said, so all of your great work and great productivity that you've brought into the, to the system doesn't mean a bloody thing. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> and the parent company has called us and told us uh, to close this division, to close the manufacturing part of the division, that they would do it somewhere else. Oh. But I had 90 days... I had my office for 90 days and he handed me a copy of ISO 9000, 1987. And he said, figure out what this is <laughs> and tell us what we need to do. Cause our parent company was in Europe and they, mm -hmm. they had to be certified. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got my start. Oh my gosh. But in my 10 years uh, of supply chain management, as it's called today, uh, I learned a great deal, and what, between that and all of the uh, consulting and training I've done, I've worked with more than 700 companies. That's oh, so wow. amazing. That and I'm so blessed. Cool. I mean, absolutely blessed to have all of that anecdotal and experiential information in my quiver. And so it's, you know, even though I'm an old man, I'm st I can still bring up anecdotal information at the drop of a hat and say, well, you know, this company tried that and here's what happened. Yeah. And that has gone into me writing 12 books about the beneficial <laughs> use of ISO 9000. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. So how'd you transition from NASA to oil and gas? Well, I mean, it's all in Houston, but beyond that. <laughs> what happened was when I, when I decided to leave NASA, I, I was told, you're not leaving, you're a lifer. I said, no, you're, what they had me doing the last six months was qualifying minority businesses. 
that mm. was trying to make a quota. And I was disqualifying some of them. They were just outright frauds. Yeah. And I found out my department manager was changing my audit results. Oh. Yeah. So I bid them farewell and went looking for a job and was fortunate to get a job as quality manager of a manufacturing company in Houston with the proviso that within six months, I would also take over manufacturing. Oh, wow. And the deal with the owner was, we don't need a quality control group. I will help make the people that do the work responsible for their own work, responsible to each other. Mm -hmm. And we don't need an overhead function of quality control. And I did that for three successive companies. Unfortunately, they were all suppliers to the oil field when the when it was going in the toilet and companies, they all, all three companies closed wow. just because their, you know, the need for their products was, had diminished. But that is unfortunately too common in uh, oil and gas. When it's good, it's good. And when it's mm -hmm. bad, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Howdy, as we say in Texas. I, uh, I, I made the, the wonderful wise decision to quit my job right in the middle of the uh, last uh, big slump. Mm. And I uh, try to start my business. I got cussed out a lot of times making cold calls that first six months. <laughs> well, sing it to me because this job as training manager, they offered, you know, they were an incredible company. They said, do you want to continue? Uh, we'll, we'll send you to an outplacement agency and you can continue a career in senior management in, uh, in industry, or we can train you to be a consultant. And without bothering to check with my wife, <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, consulting. That sounds great. And as you just lamented, we were eating sawdust and swill for about six months. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I have said a number of times, if I had no, now, I'm not saying it's a regret, but had no. I known then what I would go through to get here today. I don't know if I'd done it. I don't regret it, but me six, seven years ago would have said, heck no. Well, think about it. We have a, we had a fire. We still have it. You and I, we have a fire in our belly mm -hmm. because, you know, <laughs> like my partner used to say on, on issues of, uh, of right and wrong, he'd say, by God, that just ain't right. You know, <laughs> And that just, that motivated me over the years. I worked tirelessly, I still do. I work tirelessly with companies trying to get them to see the breakthroughs. And you and I have talked about it with some of TQA's clients recently. Yep. Is they're good companies, great people, good products and service. But you know what? It can be done a heck of a lot better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then by some stroke of, of magic, just as you said, if I'd have known then, a local attorney called me and said, I got a case involving <coughs> quality control problems. Can you help me? So he said, a couple of days later, the truck showed up with box loads of paper, you know, oh, crap. banker's box after banker's box. Oh my gosh. Of, of what they, in, in the legal business, they call it discovery. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. have your wife react to this influx of uh, <laughs> new temporary furniture. 
<laughs> Fortunately, today it's all done digitally. Thank you. <laughs> um, in any event, I started reading through it. I figured, you know what I'm doing? I'm doing a desk audit. It's just yeah. like somebody sent me their quality manual, and I'm looking through of it through it for, first of all, compliance with ISO 9001, because we've all accepted it as what I call the driver's license mm -hmm. for businesses. It's the basic, you know, on one day, you were able to demonstrate to your auditor that you complied with the standard. Yeah. Does that mean you're a great company? No. <laughs> Does that mean you're a bad company? No. It just meant that on the day you took your driver's test, you passed. I like that analogy. So, I like that. I mean, so, okay, now what are you going to do with it? And so I'm reading through all this stuff, and I'm reading, and I said, you know what? The defendant company did everything <clears throat> right in their supplier supplying product to the, to the plaintiff, the company that was suing, and the company that was suing wasn't following their own quality manual. And it was clear from just the data I had there. And of course, I re requested more. Long story short, we wound up in federal court. And uh, the judge kind of looked at me, and because I did the first PowerPoint presentation he'd ever had in his court. <laughs> <laughs> what did I know, right? And, and so at the end of the presentation, the, you know, our, our attorney said, well, there you have it, Your Honor. And he said, Damn, you're right. They're, you know, the plaintiff has no case whatsoever. Hmm. And so I collected a nice, healthy fee, and I said, this ain't bad. <laughs> I can oh, make two man. or three, I can make two or three times what I make as a consultant by being an expert witness. And here we are 42 cases later. Oh, wow. wow. 42 lawsuits later. And halfway through it, I went, I was still very active with ASQ and with the quality community. I chaired the quality management systems committee for ASQ. And I went back to, them, I said, you know what? Our entire premise of quality management is fundamentally flawed. We, sure that was well accepted. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I have a number of analogies that I won't use. <laughs> uh, I, I still have I mean, even though I don't live in Texas anymore I still have more Texas euphemisms than I can count <laughs> uh, so what I discovered was in the discovery they sent me they kept sending me pictures of dead people you know people that had died in fires because a, a, a box fan caught on fire and killed a whole mm -hmm. family or, or a boombox, similar stories. There was always some consumer product that it was used badly. I agree with that. But, you know, the people that, that had a, they had a basket of clothes next to a space heater, yeah. but the company that built it should have foreseen that kind of stupidity. Mm -hmm. You have to stupid proof your products, <laughs> especially you know the consumers. When I, I studied architecture for three years, never finished the program, and that's a whole other story. But I remember in uh, my second year, we're at, you know, we're supposed to be designing like these balconies and, you know, different things like that. And we're asking, like, well, 
how how tall do we need to make this stuff? We're just asking basic questions because we don't know anything. And we're trying to figure out, like, do we need to go get a code book somewhere? They said, no, you need to use the drunk frat boy test. I'm like, drunk frat boy test? He said, yeah. Imagine your space is full of 20 and 30 rowdy drunk frat boys designed for <laughs> none of them die. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll borrow that one from <laughs> But yeah, it's the same type thing, and, and we do that with our software as well. We'll design something on it, and you know, sure enough, like we'll we'll deploy one of the updates, and you know, we'll we'll, we'll use some of our clients, and they know we're doing it, but we'll use some of our clients. Kind of, hey, test this out. Tell me what you think. And sure enough, they do something bonehead with it we'd never considered, but it was capable of being done. And so, if it can be done, they will. Well, every consulting assignment I've had in the last 20 years has been sooner or later, we had a stupid proofing meeting. <laughs> yeah. The thing, we went off site and the, this thing was purge your brain of everything you know about your product mm -hmm. and think about all of the, the uh, stupid people uh, that you know in your life. And let's talk about what they could possibly do with your product. Yeah. And it, every time it was extremely enlightening, you know. Uh, so I went back to the quality community and I said, you know what? Six Sigma teaches that there is an acceptable defect rate. Mm -hmm. It can be quantified mathematically. Mm -hmm. Tell that to the people that died in the fire. Mm -hmm. You know, oops, sorry, you were you were out of the Six Sigma tolerance. Uh, yeah you know, bad, bad on us, you know, we bad. And I said, the second thing is our fundamental tenets of quality management are not to eliminate risk or eliminate defects. They are to minimize them and mm -hmm. make them acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I said, you guys are nuts. And I, at the time I had some standing because as the, as the, um, chair of the quality management systems committee, we were helping to build the body of knowledge for the certified quality manager, organizational excellence certification that ASQ gives out. And boy, we, we caught, I, I caught it mostly uh, because I, I was trying to get a one sentence definition of quality management out of my committee of 13 people. <laughs> but that was fun. <laughs> well, I finally gave up. We wrote three anthologies. I published three anthologies with 13 white papers hmm. on what the definition of quality management was. And I went, you know, I enjoyed my time on the committee. Uh, I'm going to go do, go do something that has some meaning. Yeah. So th those those things are, are just in. They were imbued in my in my personality and my thinking. I every time I do a case now, it's the first thing I think of is, "Holy cow! Here's another example where a consumer used a product poorly or badly, but the company didn't foresee this possible use." Yep. And if that's not built into everything now, the work I'm doing right now writing writing the Manister of Quality Training Program, as it will be soon known worldwide, was to do that, to, to, to say, number one, your 
your vision, mission, and values in your company should be never to deliver a defective product. Mm -hmm. That's not the same old zero defects philosophy. Correct. It just says in the processes within your company, it should be impossible to get a defect from one work center to the next. Right? Makes sense. <laughs> Certainly it should be yeah. impossible to get it out the door. Yeah. Well, that's an abstraction. I, many people still don't buy into that. Well, we're all human. Well, yeah, as human as you are. Yeah. Make mistakes. I've made many, many mistakes. But you should have systems in place to catch them. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, isn't that, isn't I, uh, that what we do? I, and, I run into this more, I guess, uh, on the safety side of things than the quality side. But, you know, safety side, you've got these uh, mantras of no accidents, no incidents. They just run around preaching this and preaching it. Zero incidents, zero incidents, zero incidents. It's like, well, that's great. But for the fact that when someone gets hurt, they just don't report it because they don't want to be the guy that had the incident. And it's like, okay, well, we've got it. And it's the same thing with the zero defects. It's like, okay, we've got to do better than just preach zero defects. It's like, okay, how are we going to actually catch it? Because it's not going to be that there are zero defects and what are we going to do when we catch it yes how exactly and i just hate but people like love to latch on to these slogans and mantras and then that's as deep as they go and it's like no you just created a gotcha culture and not anything for improvement absolutely and i've been working with the kaizen institute quality digest and exemplar global for the last two years developing this training material and any day now, we're doing final edits right now. We're going to publish BMS 9001 2023. It's designed as a guidance document, not a conformance standard, but it picks up where ISO 9001 2015 leaves off. Yeah. In, in the light of the fact that ISO said we're not going to revise it. Yeah. Okay. So you're leaving the entire world of quality hanging by its fingernails, wondering how to how to have quality evolve with industry, with AI, yep. with, you know, with all of this, the technology. And so well, we're providing I, a guidance for people to, to be number one, defect never reaches a customer. Number two, mm -hmm. get rid of risk management and do risk avoidance. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, why manage risk when you can get rid of it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other fun topic. So I, I won't jump down that rabbit hole just yet. <laughs> Me too. Darcy. <laughs> you know, I, not that I did a whole lot with it, but I was on the uh, TC 176 committee for about a year. And I'm, Bless you, know, you my son. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and so I'm reading all of these drafts of stuff that they're talking about and, you know, what they want to add to the standard. And I get one and they're talking about adding agile thinking to it and i'm like mm -hmm. no no agile okay look i get it agile is a legitimate software development method but let's be honest most people say they're agile developers when they have no plan and they want to show you what the plan looked like at the end of the project like <laughs> let's not do that for for design and development <laughs> absolutely when i saw a draft of, oh, i attended a tc176 subcommittee meeting at some conference and they spent the entire time debating the words continuous and continual yes oh my gosh because yeah, they didn't I think translate. They, did they uh they do a live webinar of that because i remember yeah. sitting and watching i'm like 
guys, y'all are killing me here. Thank you. I hope that's the meeting I was in because I had to get up and leave. I couldn't finish watching it. I got mad. In German, it means uh, continuous means that it never stops. Yes. And continuum means that it's just something we do all the time. And I'm listening. Yes. Come on, guys. Get on life. <laughs> yes. Yes. I couldn't finish it either. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. And, and then so I, I, I saw I, one where they were talking. In case. Whole other rabbit trail. I'll stop. <laughs> well, when I saw the when I saw a draft of 9001 2015 and it said risk-based thinking, I, I did the same exact thing you did. What are you talking about? Yeah. This, this is a brand new word that means nothing. You, you guys obfuscate everything to start with, and now you're doing it professionally. I mean, you're doing it as a matter of let's go in there and screw up the entire quality world. You know. Hey, life never stops. Well, let's let's put a term in there that the management consulting firms will will take on, and they will make a lot of money uh, teaching courses on risk-based thinking. Yup. And. And it. the auditors will try to audit it. Yes. And I tell everyone, like, look, just go look at Annex A4. Just look at A4 in the standard. It Thank explains you. it. Nothing you're doing is what the standard intended. Just go read A4. It's not in paragraph 4 to 10. No. It's in an annex. I know. Right? I know. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I, think, I think they were doing, I'm Karnak the Magnificent. Uh, let me say, let me say an answer. Risk-based thing. <laughs> oh my God. Let's see what's in the envelope. <laughs> oh, I think that's probably good enough spot to stop here. Um, but no, Tom, like this is just phenomenal. Like I, you just got such a fun, fun story, fun background. And, uh, so before we leave, I'd love for folks to get a chance to read some of your books, check out your trainings, give us real quick, where can they find more information for you? I'll make sure it's all in the uh, comments below too. Uh, the website is tomteramina.com. Very clever name. <laughs> I paid, a, I paid an agency. Yeah. I paid an agency to come up with that. <laughs> uh, the Tom that has, Taramina agency. Yeah, no, I actually had to pay money for that. I mean, they, they came to me one day and said, you are the product. Said, okay, I like, you know, I like productivity resources better. No, you're the product. So it's TomTaramina.com. You can you have my contact information and background information. And these days I'm doing my consulting work through TQA. So, <laughs> and we but, are thrilled to have you. It has been just quite the breath of fresh air to get uh, what's for us some new ideas and new perspective. But well, and you stimulated me with new ideas that you've you've come up with. Your online documentation system is exquisite. Well, thank you. It's thank the you best I've seen. Uh, thank you. That is quite the compliment. So let's let's keep this unholy alliance going. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, I will make sure that uh, your info is below for anyone that uh, wants to find out. And, uh, you know, hey, everyone, thank you very much for uh, for joining us uh, today for the conversation. Be certain, obviously, like, subscribe, all the good stuff we're all supposed to say on here. But, uh, you know, this is a lot of fun. So, Tom, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.